You're listening to Surly Talk Sport. Brought to you by Sky Sport now. How good? Welcome back. Early Talk Sports, a huge episode this week because Easter Sport, boy did she deliver. We almost pulled off the triple. The Blues got the dub. Izzy got the dub. The Warriors, they were valiant in defeat but couldn't quite get over the line. But never fear, we bounce back this weekend at Mount Smart and it's going to be grouse. On today's show, going to preview and review, of course, all your sporting action, cover off the UFC, some NRL, Super Rugby special guest, Jimmy Marshall from Waterlad, of course, Crusaders coach, enjoying his bye week. So we'll check in with him. Then the weekly wrap, we'll cover your Masters, your Sevens, your NBA playoffs, then rip into some Q&A before we wrap her all up. This show, as always, brought to you by the legends at Sky Sport. Now remember to use that coupon code if you're not already a Sky customer. Sign up, Surly10 at checkout. It gives you access to all your Sky Sport channels, your ESPN as well. You can watch it live or on demand if you miss games they've created these nice little bite-sized highlight packages so you can bring yourself up to speed pay-per-views i watched the izzy fight on it went down seamlessly nba playoffs nrl formula one anything worth watching it is all on the sky sport now at truly is your one-stop shop for all things sport i've been ripping into some docos there's a great one on ryan fox on there as well if you've got that postmasters bug Shout out to Sky Sport now for their support as well of the show. Truly appreciate it. So let's support them back. It is only the right thing to do. But without further ado, let's rip in. Plenty to get through today. How good is a Thursday? Let's kick things off with the UFC this week because rightly so, our boy Israel Adesanya is the talk of the town after that performance he put on in Miami on Sunday Arvo and I tell you what can't be easy to enter the octagon against a dude you're 3-0 and against and has clearly had the better of you and do what he did the confidence in himself his coaches and his ability is something you really have to admire and heading into this fight he seems so locked in a laser-like focus on finally beating Pereira and doing it in emphatic fashion as well putting this rivalry to bed once and for all and showing he's still the big dog in the middleweight division. I'm not going to lie, I was incredibly nervous heading into this fight and during it, right up until the moment where he finished it. And I guess that's a testament to Pereira of how scary of an opponent he is. But with 39 seconds to go in the second round, after taking a few body shots backed up against the cage, Izzy made the ultimate statement. And geez, did it have me fizzing. It was the perfect trap set by the champ. And at the time it was happening, I think it's fair to say only Stylebender and his corner were the only people in the world that knew what was going on. Post-fight though, 
as he made it clear that this was a tactical play, luring the big fella, let him get a couple off up against the cage. As a result, he'll drop his hands, and Izzy can use his superior speed to land a couple devastating blows, and that's all it would take. And that's exactly how it played out. He wore a couple shots to the body, waited for Pereira to load up and throw that heavy hook, and then bet him to the punch with a counter-left jab, followed up by the double right hooks of doom. The old right-right goodnight combo, which dropped old Alex to the canvas, a brutal hammer fist then, which sealed the deal maximum brain cell depletion achieved and the big Brazilian he was left lying flat out like a light truly spine tingling stuff post the knockout as he got into his best work as well bow and arrows galore bit of Robin Hood meets Katniss Everdeen vibe which I didn't mind and then the mockery of Pereira's son as well with the knockout reenactment that was my favourite part and like he said post fight he's a petty dude and it's bloody entertaining to watch I can only imagine the scenes that went down in Miami on Sunday night and to be fair they're probably still going down as we speak one well-earned bender, that's for sure. So love him or hate him, personally I love him and want to make that clear, but Izzy's one of the biggest and most talented athletes in the world right now and the reaction to his victory on social media certainly highlighted that. The size difference between the two, Izzy and Alex, it was insane. He's much smaller and in fact at times Pereira looked like he was in an entire weight class higher but through his elite technical skills, his speed and his game plan execution, the Nigerian born Kiwi from CKB was able to claim back the strap, become the two time middleweight champ and bring the gold Back to the land of the long white clouds. Unreal stuff. And to the champ I say, well done horse. And see you in Shy Guy soon. No doubt. Quick shout out as well. Jorge Masvidal, one of the greats in the UFC. He retired on his home turf in Miami after this loss to Gilbert Burns. Throughout this fight, you could tell time had caught up to the bloke they call Game Bread. He clearly wasn't the fighter he once was. But the BMF champ. He's had a bloody good career, so to be able to bow out at home, albeit with a loss, it was still great to see. So overall, once again, a great card from the UFC 287. Ticked all the boxes. One of the great days of Biff's. With Izzy back as the champ, it all feels right in the MMA world again. All Kiwi Fight fans, we now shift our eyes to Kai and his fight in June. Can't wait for that. The Warriors wrestling coach, he's going to get the job done. And again, shout out to Izzy, two-time champ and new. You gotta love it. Round six in the world of rugby league, of course, went down last weekend. She was another hisser with upsets galore and some real statement performances from the competition front runners as well. Kicked off on Thursday night with one of those statement performances, the Storm, absolutely running amok against the Chooks, 28 points to eight. A hat-trick to Xavier Coates. In fact, I think five players scored the triple meaties this weekend, and the boys from Melbourne just way too good in a massive win to help establish them back in the top four and remind all those, including myself, who may have been doubting their playoff credentials, that they are still the real deal in 2023 despite still being down many of their star troops. Then on Friday, with the Dogs taking on the Bunnies, Bunnies ran up a cricket score 50 points to 16. Jeez, they're just so good when they play that brand of fuck it footy. They chuck the nut around and they're at their most dangerous best. Latrell Mitchell in his 150th game, we called it. 
Triple, he got the hat-trick. Campbell Graham, also a hat-trick. And Cody Walker, he continued his impressive try run as well for the Doggies. Tough scenes, Joshi Adokar, looks like he is going to be out for a very long time having surgery for a syndesmosis injury. Also a massive blow for my New South Wales lads in state of origin. So tough scenes there. Then following that game, another Wayne Bennett masterclass, which leads to another Redcliffe upset, this time at the hand of the cows. And of course, I gave them no shot. I thought under strength, injuries, backs against the wall. They have to go up to Townsville and take on the Cowboys. And I thought Peyton's men would be way too good, but that wasn't the case. Redcliffe, they turned it on and again just showed they can play a simple brand of footy, drag you into the arm wrestle, and once they do that, they'll strangle you and come away with the dub. Great stuff from the Finn Super Saturday double header, which saw the Panthers put the Manly Gulls to the sword at home. 44 points to 12. A Dylan Edwards hat trick, probably the standout for me. And another impressive performance from the people's chin, Nathan Cleary, to guide the men from the foot of the mountain to another win and have them sitting pretty in second in the ladder as well. Then we had the Broncos, another upset alert at home at Suncorp, hosting the Green Machine, a team that was looking to bounce back from a hiding to the Panthers the week before. Four, and again I gave them no chance but they rocked up to Suncorp and pulled off the boil over 20 points to 14 exposing a few clunks in that Broncos machine their first loss of the year which you love to see as well no more undefeated sides remaining in the tournament boy is it good watching Super Sunday and unfortunately she was a bit of a somber Sunday for Warriors fans we'll get into that soon Titans get the dub over the Dragons 20 points to 18 and a bit of a nail biter and then our lads went over to Newcastle and couldn't come away with the Easter chocolates 34 points to 24 in a game where at times it looked like we were gonna come back and again we conceded points early in games I think Vossi made the stat that in all of our opening six games we've conceded a try in the first six minutes that's simply not good enough and I know for a fact Webby he's been harping on about trying to get good starts to our games I'm not quite sure what the fix is of course Webby he's a smarter man than me so no doubt he's been running through our preparation with a fine tooth comb but fingers crossed the lads can sort that out and sort it out ASAP if we're going to be a finals footy side which I certainly think we are we can't continue to give quality football teams a head start like we've been doing positives though boy did we bounce back at one stage we were down 22 points to six in fact that was the score at oranges then we came out firing crawled it back to 22 points to 18 thanks to a double to adam pompey and a meaty to egg cossie unfortunately though a real momentum shift in this game i thought was when montoya tried to get the penalty on the play the ball unfortunately a bit of a loose carry the knights then went to score strike six of the best to Curdy Man, and that was a bit of a nail in the coffin the momentum shifted back in favor of the Knights from there she was just too much of a deficit for us to claw back once again we were struck with injuries and adversity continues to come our way Wade Egan Park skipper on the day out for 11 days with a head knock and then Tomate Martin he suffered a fractured fibula which is actually an injury I suffered last year against Mahu playing for the mighty code of course similar circumstances the NRL 
and club footy, but it's a pretty nasty injury. They saying about six to eight weeks to recover. So wishing him all the best, because boy, we're a lot more deadly when he's out there partnering with SJ in the halves. But again, these in-game injuries continue to haunt us. It meant we had to adjust. Dylan Walker came on and played well in the halves role as well, but it's extremely tough to lose two guys from your spine and go on to win a game. So all circumstances considered, I thought the lads still put in a performance that they can be extremely proud of. Standouts for me, for the Warriors, of course, I thought Chance Nickel Clockstad mentioned last week, he's a fullback you can set your watch to, and I thought he was our best player at the back, ran for 229 run metres off 22 carries, and his work just out of our end was truly exceptional. Sometimes in sets when the boys are tired, he pops up for multiple carries, two or three in a set, that's exactly what you want from your fullback, and he's all heart as chance again. You love to see it. The right edge, Poppy and Cossy, they crossed for three of our four tries. Cossy ran for 192 metres, and Pompey had seven tackle breaks and two line breaks. Both of them strong on offence. Defensively, though, you can't gloss over it. They certainly need to work on that part of their game, but a strong day for them with Stedden in hand as well. I thought SJ was really good again. Back to his menacing best. Those tries we talked about just then, a lot of them came from SJ taking on the line, bouncing outside of his defender, sucking in that second bloke, and then just playing the pharmacist role, a nice little pill to put lads over for a media. And then in the forward pack, I thought Tom Ale, he was really good off the bench, 144 run meters for 14 runs. I believe he led our pack in meters gained. The bloke's an absolute wrecking ball, built like a brick, got foot speed of doom, and he's really tough to put down. So great to see him getting more minutes in Webby's rotation. He's certainly one for the future. And I also thought Adam Fanoa Blake, he stood up. Of course, Wade was our skipper for this game. Still no Tohu. Adam was probably the leader in our pack once Egan Park went off 129 meters a strong foundation from him which was great to see for the Knights I think many people underestimate how good of a side they are of course on paper they're certainly not the strongest but at home and as of late they've been putting out some really strong performances and this was one of those I thought Lockie Miller again exceptionally good and it's going to be interesting to see where they play KP when he comes back in the coming weeks Dane Gagai was good Maju was good Domi Young and then Tyson Frizzell had his game of the year which really did grind my gears boy these ex-Origin seem to go up another level against us but hey it is what it is so back to Mount Smart next weekend we take our licks and we move on probably a game heading into it that I was thinking we should win but again with the adversity and the circumstances that we faced you just still got to be proud of the boys digging in for the full 80 not giving up and despite being down 22 points to six they crawl back and made a real game of it, which is extremely positive signs. Then on your Monday, Easter Monday, the final game of the round, and I tell you what, the West Tigers, they almost pulled it off, taking on the Eels. Two sides desperate for a win. Eels got the dub. Sad to see, though, Adam Dewey, or is it Dewey? He seems to have gone back to Dewey. Vossi has anyway, so I'll roll with the GOAT. He's done his ACL third time on that league. you got to wonder how he can bounce back from that. Tough times. He's a bloody good footballer to watch, so fingers crossed he can bounce back. Which leads us through to this week. Round 7, and of course, gets underway tonight with a heck of a game. The Dolphins taking on the Bunnies. For the Bunnies, AJ, he's back from concussion and 
Jai Arrow, perhaps inspired by Israel Adesanya's bow and arrow celebration. He returns from a hamstring injury as well, and he'll give them a massive lift in the forward pack for the Dolphins. Good to see Jesse Bromwich. He's back to start at prop. Marky Nichols, the GOAT, he shifts back to the bench. No Jared Wallace, he's a big loss. And Edric Lee, he drops out of the 17 as well, so a couple changes for Wayne. Dolphins at home at Suncourt. Bunnies hot to trot after last weekend. This is one of those games where it's a real coin flip, and it could go either way. I'll back the Bunnies, because on paper they should certainly get it done. But again, if they get dragged into an arm wrestle, and you just know Bennett's got something special for his former club, this is going to be a heck of a game either side 1 to 12 would probably be my prediction there full fizz friday double header sharks taking on the roosters and manly taking on the storm two great games to sink your teeth into for the sharks wade graham he comes back from suspension but in the pack they are a bit battered and bruised they lose toby rudolph to a foot injury and dale finucan to suspension other changes to the starting side royce hunt cam mckinnis they both get the start tricky Trindle drops out of the 17 and then for the Chocks, huge inclusion for them, their inspirational skipper James Tedesco, he comes back in to start at fullback, Joey Manu, the hot boy who moves back to the centres and Drury Hutchinson the poor man's Mitch Orbison, he drops to the bench with Jakey Terps dropping out fully, interesting to see as well, Jersey 17 ex-warrior Matty Lodge named to return, that'll be a huge boost for this Roosters pack and boy are they dangerous through the middle, went at full strength I'll probably back the chocks just to get the job done because I think they'll be too good in the pack but you never know with the poor man's Heath Ledger leading the Sharks around the park he might just pull out something special Manly Seagulls taking on the storm and unfortunately Ruben Garrick he's been ruled out with a head knock and Carl Lawton done his shoulder boy the bloke has had some horrible luck when it comes to injuries and certainly wishing him all the best on his recovery for the storm old Nick Meany Eeny Meany he drops out with a head knock so Cammy Munster moves the fullback and geez that's dangerous for me that's where he looks his best such an attacking threat when he's given free reign and a license to roam and in young Jonah Pezzett they have a more than capable halves replacement for him as well so I'm really excited to see the performance this storm side puts out still big no Nelson Asafa Solomona or Ryan Pappenhausen but they both of them are back at training and it said they're inching closer to a return so exciting times for storm fans and I think they're going to be too good for Manly, a side that's probably a little low in confidence after getting pumped last weekend by the Panthers. Super Saturday, and we've got the Knights taking on the Panthers, the Titans taking on the Broncos in the Battle of Brizzy, and of course the game on everyone's lips, Warriors vs Cowboys at Mount Smart. And how good is it going to be? 5pm kickoff, Sky Sport 4. But if you are local, make sure you get on down to Mount Smart. It's only our second game there so far this season. So I think it's only right we pack out the joint. It's going to be a heck of a game. The Cowboys, for me, they've probably been the most disappointing team in the competition so far. Earlier in the year, I did a bit of a top eight prediction. I had the Cowboys cemented in the top four. They were just such a strong footy side last year. And I expected with minimal 
minimal changes to their roster that they would kick on and really double down, get even better than what they put out in 2022. Not to be though, just the two wins from six games and saying that, dangerous. They do welcome back Jeremiah Nanai and Murray Taolangi, so they're starting to get back to their full strength side, which does have you move towards the edgier seat. Just a little. For the Warriors, as mentioned, of course, Tamare Martin, Wade Egan, both ruled out. Tohu Harris, he is named to play as he has been over the past couple weeks. Fingers crossed he can get out there. That knee still giving him a bit of a niggle and we don't want to rush our skip. Still so long to go in the season, but he would be a massive addition. I saw a stat before from Random Stats Guy. We're averaging 12.5 points, I believe it was. On defense, whenever Tohu's in the side, when he's not, we concede 32 on average. That is a massive difference. And after conceding 30 or more points in back-to-back weeks, it would be great to have him back to lock down our defensive line. Still no Mitch Barnett as well. Again, I believe we're being precautious, but you never quite know. Would love to have him back in the mix ASAP. But again, we lean on our depth. Lucky we have it in a plenty this year and we're still able to roll out an extremely quality 17. So at the back we have Chance on the wings, Ed Cossi and Marcelo Montoya. Then we have Vili Vailer and Pompey in the centres. Dylan Walker at six, which is actually where he finished the game against the Sharks and also last week. He looks great there. He's a strong ball player. And again, his leadership abilities, which Webby has touched on a number of times, probably saw him get the nod in the starting side over Ronald Volkman. And the seven jersey, the Prince of Penrose, he's going to guide us to another dub and take us to the promised land and the props. Big Bunty, Mr. Backfence, ready to wind up and take it to the cows alongside Adam Fenor Blake. And then in the second row, Jacko Ford, Bailey Surinan, Tohu Harris, and at hooker, new father as well, and congrats to him. Freddie Lussick, no doubt he'll have a bit of a pep in his step. Off the bench, Taintua Piki again, he ran last week at the 14, he came on in a bit of a rover role, which was exciting to see and I expect him to do similar again this week. If this bloke gets half a gap, he will make you pay and just that energy and fizz he brings off the Rimu could be really deadly around that 60 minute mark against a tiring defence. Joshy Curran, he's in jersey 15, wouldn't be surprised if again like last week we see a late change and he comes on to the starting side. Jazz Tavanga and Tom Ale round out the bench. And then in jersey 18, and interesting to see as well, Dallin Wateni-Zelezniak, fresh off a huge performance from the New South Wales Cup side. Four tries, ran for over 200 metres, 12 tackle breaks, I believe, and 62 PCMs, which that alone is enough for me to be convinced we need to bring him into the side. The people's mullet, the poor man's Lionel Richie, no doubt he'll work his way in over the coming weeks. Maybe this is the week, though, where he again pulls the strings late change brings him in he's a smarter bloke than me so I have full faith in whatever way he goes for me this game she's pretty much a must win and not because of the table of course we're sitting comfortably in fifth on the ladder but I think we really need to pick up these dubs especially at home against sides that are lower ranked it's only a matter of time before the Cowboys hit their straps but it'll be great to go 2-0 sweep the series against them this year bank the two points in front of a loud and vocal Mount Smart crowd 
course, NZAC game next week, Storm at Storm on a Tuesday night. Not an easy task. And then we host the Roosters, the Panthers, and away to the Bulldogs. So three out of those four games coming up, extremely tough. Storm into Chooks, into Panthers. If we can bank it this week, take the dub and move on. That would be huge fizz for our lads, and I'm absolutely backing them to do so. Super Sunday, two games to round us out. The Raiders, the Green Machine, hosting the Dragons at GIO Stadium in Canberra, the old milking town. And good to see Jackie Wyden. He's back from suspension. Joseph Tapane, his wife has had their kids. He's back too. And Nick Kotrick, also in. So three big ins for old Sticky Ricky. And I expect they will be too strong for the Red V at home. And then final game of the round, Parramatta taking on the Dogs. Typically, this is a game with a massive rivalry. These two sides and their fan base really don't like each other. It's a shame to see the Doggies so depleted, though. Of course, they lost at Ocar last week. And then late news coming out yesterday. Vilayami Kikau, he's torn his peck at training. Out for eight to ten weeks. A massive blow to lose old ramen noodles lid he really is a big attacking weapon for them and they've lost two of their biggest threats on that side of the ball tough times for Gussie Goulds lads and saying that though they do get bolstered a little Tavita Pungai Jr he'll make his first appearance for the year back from a baby cow injury Raylan Faitala Mariner he comes back from brain cell depletion and Jaden Ockhambor the world's biggest 14 he comes back to add some fizz off the Rimu. Eels too good for me. I think they'll get it in a tough one. Junior Polo, he's also back from suspension for them. So I expect them to be too strong. Maybe even push that 13 plus margin. But nevertheless, should be a good game. So another huge round of footy. Round seven and some crucial games with sides jockeying for positions close to each other on the ladder. Of course, mention next week, she's a huge round. You've got those two Anzac clashes. A 10-day turnaround for our Warriors men, so expecting us to go out there. Saturday Arvo, empty the tank and leave it out there. Up the mighty Waz. And once again, I'll see you at Mount Smart. If you catch me there, say what's up. Always love hearing from you. And let's hope the lads can put the cows to the sword. Time to talk some super rugby. And after the success of last week's bye week check-in with one of the great Sean Stevenson, I thought I'd step it up and go to the biggest lad in New Zealand rugby, Mr. Jimmy Marshall. How are you, son? Hey, good, mate. Thanks uh, thanks for inviting me on. I've been hanging out to have my um, debut on Surly Talk Sport, but I know you've been on my show plenty of times, but um, nice to be invited on yours for a change. Yeah, had a few punters saying they're really missing our, our weekly banter. So here's a little fix for them. Great stuff. Yeah, mate, I've missed it as well, to be honest. I've yeah. watched some of the games. I'm like, geez, I'd love to talk about this one with Surly. But obviously the job and um, my podcast is too much for me at the moment to keep up with it all. But hoping to have something for around the World Cup time with you. So oh, there we um, go. that'll be cool to potentially uh, double down during that World Cup time. It'll be cool. For sure, a little tease there. You mentioned the new job, mate. Yeah, what, seven weeks in now? You got the bye week. How, how have you found it so far? Obviously, you've coached at uh, ITM Cup level, but has it been a bit of a step up moving into Super Rugby? Oh, mate, it's been a massive step up. I'm I'm loving it, though. Um, turning up every day um, with a big smile on my face, loving my work, but learning so much. Every day, I seem to be coming home with so much more knowledge and just mm. around coaching and how to deliver and all that sort of stuff, sort of things I'd never really looked at before. I just sort of did the rugby content, but obviously how you present and um, your meetings and how they're all structured, there's just so much 
that I'm learning every day. So um, yeah, enjoying it so much. And I feel like we haven't really um, clicked yet as a as a side. I feel like we're just sort of scraping through at the moment. I feel like we've got a lot of growth still still to come, but that's good, right? Coming to the right end of the season. For sure, that's exciting stuff. And you hear so much bro, about the environment in the Crusaders camp, whether it's from players, current or past, just saying how special it is. What have been some like standouts for you being involved for the first year? Mate, it's just how connected everyone is from the from the top um, CEOs, the top office down all the way to the new sort of players. It's just a one really well-connected group where a lot of teams you go in, it's very separate. You've got your playing group and then everyone else is you don't really get to meet anyone else and you don't know what's going on. But I think one of um, Razor's biggest strengths is getting everyone connected as a group, making sure everyone's aligned and um, all, on, all on the same sort of pathway for the for the one goal. So um, that's been one thing that's really stood out is just like how connected the whole group is. You mentioned Razor there, bro. What is he actually like? Because from the outside looking in, seems like a heck of a lad. You're a lad yourself. What's it been <laughs> like teaming up with Razor? Mate, he is a lad. He he loves it. Um, it's very different to what I sort of expected. He, in terms of like the rugby, he doesn't have a huge amount um, of say in the rugby stuff. He sort of leaves that all to Scott Hansen. But what he does in in terms of like getting the group together, the the week plan, the theming, and the whole ov- overall picture, the squad selection, and all that, he is he's an absolute wizard. Um, stoked to see him get the all black role. Um, yeah. I think he's going to go really well there. And it looks like he's got a pretty impressive um, coaching lineup that he's trying to get as well. So poten- potentially the five best coaches available in New mm. Zealand, um, all jumping on his team. So he knows, he knows his role, what he's really good at. And he sticks to that. And he lets um, sort of Scott Hansen take over the rugby content in terms of the tech and somebody Allison on the D. So um, he trusts his coaches and lets lets them go to work. So it's pretty special to watch. And in terms of your role as well, what's it been like working with guys like Richie Moanga, Lester Fainga, Noku? It must be pretty exciting. Yeah, mate, it's it's pretty cool turning up on a Monday, going sitting through your plans with the likes of Richie Moanga, who obviously he's a massive influence on this team. He he drives yeah. a lot of it. So. Um, once you've got him across the line, you're pretty much good to go. Yeah. Um, and on the D side, we've got Jack Goodhue, David Harvilli. So um, lots of lots of good leaders, naturally. I don't have to do too much. I just uh, make sure I'm doing the work for them so that when they see the pictures, they're, they're ready to go. There's rumours circling that the bloke hasn't taken his lad Searle medal off since he won it. He sleeps <laughs> in the thing. Can you confirm or deny that? Yeah, it's getting a little bit niggly at training because it's sort of <laughs> around his neck and gets in yeah. the way. But oh. sometimes he drops the ball because the metal hits it um, mm. before it hits his hands. So priorities. Um, yeah. yeah, he's definitely got his priorities right. He loves that medal. Best thing he's ever that's ever happened to him, he said. So um, hopefully he wins it again this year in the final, mate. That mm. would be special first person to ever win it once and twice. Back to back, <laughs> iconic scenes. You mentioned earlier before you, you feel like you're kind of just about to kick into gear. Five wins from the seven games. How would you kind of assess where the team's at at the moment? You've had a lot of injuries. Yeah, we have had a lot of injuries, which is like re- in reality, it's probably been quite good. We've um, tested the depth of our squad. We've gone right down to the um, to guys who haven't even played NPC or Super Rugby before. So, um, and they've all stepped up, which has given us really good squad depth, which. Um, we looking at our squad at the start of the year. Well, I thought, man, this is we've got so much depth in the squad. How are we going to be able to 
pick a team each week, but obviously injuries and all black rotations and all that sort of stuff come in. And, and when you get to squad selection, it's pretty much the last ones left at the moment. But um, as guys are starting to come back, we've probably got, I think we've only got three who are out for the full year, but other guys are starting to come back now. We had David Havili and Jack Goodhue back last week, Cullen Grace, hopefully Will Jordan will be not far away. These guys are going to make a massive difference um, coming at the right end of the season. Ethan Blackadder, he was on fire before he got injured. Unreal. He'll be back at the right right end of the season as well. So, um, yeah, once we get that continuity back together and um, back into the season, looking forward to the boys really stepping up. You're not long retired out of the game yourself, mate. Has there ever been any moments where Razor's kind of looked out you know, the corner of the eye and thought, dust the boots off, son, you're up this week? <laughs> mate, at training I've had to. I've had oh. to dust the boots off and uh, jump on the wing for the odd session. On the but, wing. Um, <laughs> yeah. Oh, I quickly learn how slow I am when you're running outside Will <laughs> Jordan and he makes a break and struggling to keep up. Not even get close, so... Um, I think I showed that I'm not quite ready for Super Rugby level off from some of my performances on the training field. The poor man's Mecca Springer. You love it. You mentioned <laughs> a couple young bucks there that have got the opportunity. Before kind of heading into the Crusaders environment, you might not have known a lot about them. Is there anyone that's really stood out to you and thought, geez, this kid's got a big future in the game? Yes, in the back line, I guess Wall Golter's probably the one for me who, oh, to be honest, I hadn't even seen him play Um I know it had a handful of games at, for Canterbury, but um, when I when I arrived there, I didn't know a heck of a lot about him and um, impressed me during the preseason. He's managed to stay on um, through other people's injuries and in the weekend he was starting. So he's someone who's um, doing everything right and um, one of those players who, as he goes up the level, just seems to handle it well and goes hard. You know, he's a little bit like a George Bridge, just kick chase, he's, he's a good defender, carries hard and has a really high work rate. So um, he's someone who's really impressed me, and I think he'll he'll have a big future. One to circle for sure. And a couple of games I've highlighted from earlier in the season, just wanted to touch on. Round three, the lads went over to Fiji, and obviously wasn't the result you guys wanted. But once the dust settled, what were the kind of takeaways from that? It must have been unreal to go over there, play the draw in an atmosphere like that. It's got to be right up there in terms of kind of coolest rugby occasions, right? Yeah, mate, that crowd and that um, home home environment over there is is pretty special. Like even in the warm up, I was like looking around, like man, this is so cool. The energy that that yeah. crowd has is more than anywhere else, really. And the heat, all these factors that come into play, massive home advantage um, for the drawer over there. So um, very tough place to play. We have with the All Black rest, we have to sort of plan when we're going to rest these game, rest these All Blacks. So it makes it really difficult. It wasn't a game we wanted to um, rest players because we knew how tough it was going to be. And and when we lost David Harvilli, who was probably our backline anchor, lost him in the first couple of minutes. It, it wasn't going to uh, plan that well. And then they scored a couple of tries and crowd got in behind them and yeah. made it was pretty special. But I felt like the boys um, fought back in that one to – should have potentially got the job done there. Like Fergus Burke kicked that conversion from the sideline. All we had to yeah. do was catch the kickoff and kick it out. But um, yeah, obviously a young group, we we hadn't really gone over those scenarios, which we learned as a coaching group, but we where to stand on those sort of kickoffs. So um, massive learning for everyone, the players and coaching staff. But I do think the draw are going to be an incredibly tough team to beat over there, as we've seen already with the Rebels and, They've got a few New Zealand teams coming up, so 
wouldn't be surprised if they tip one or two of those guys over as well. For sure. And then the week later, and it might have been a bit of a chip on the shoulder type performance, although you guys always seem to have the wood on my team. You rocked up to Eden Park, repeat of last year's grand final and and got the dub in a game many people were kind of starting to weigh in and say, perhaps the Crusaders aren't the team of old. Was that a real point to prove type of game for the boys? And is there like a different edge in the lead up to a game against like your Blues, your Hurricanes, your Chiefs compared to other sides? Yeah, as a coaching group, we try not to make it um, like the different edge, it should be every week, but you do know it. You see it in the players. They know when the games are big and sort of what Scotty Hansen said to me, you just, he said, sort of said, you watch these guys once they get to the big games, how, how their level just goes up. It's, uh, it's just something that's in the team and in these big game players. And we saw it that night. I felt like that was the best game of super rugby so far this year. It had everything that game, it, um, the energy from the crowd, even in that game was was pretty special um and i just thought it was really good rugby both sides played really well roger got his try that you dreamed about oh. 12 12 months later and um i knew i was seeing it i just had my, <laughs> my timeline wrong <laughs> <laughs> got it under the sticks and uh yeah there's some pretty special moments in that game that leicester try off the richie cross kick from his in goal was mm. was one of those ones that really stand out as big game players stepping up in big big moments so um, yeah, pretty awesome game. Yeah, that was right out of your playbook. I could tell you'd drawn that one up. The old, in your own 22 crossfield kick. It's like the defensive <laughs> bomb, mate. Other teams don't expect it. So I love what you're doing there. <laughs> mate, initially I, I thought it was on, like, because they were really narrow, but because the ball was so slow at that ruck, um, Roger ended up getting into that space and I was thinking, no, don't kick it <laughs> don't now. Do it's it. not on. <laughs> this is a disaster. And then it bounced and Leicester grabbed it, fended off Roger. It was, it was a special try, but certainly wasn't my play. Um, as he kicked it, I was thinking we're, we're in trouble here. And you mentioned Will Jordan before, putting on your uh, doctor physio hat here. How is he tracking, bro? Because I know a lot of rugby fans are pretty nervous. They really want him back for the Crusaders and for the All Blacks. So how's Will going? Yeah, mate, even the doctors don't really know this one. It's it's a real tough injury. He's had it before. Um, it's sort of the inner ear thing where he just gets a little bit vertigo, dizzy. Um, yeah. But he's been training really well for the last sort of month now. So he's been carving carving us up. So <laughs> yeah. re- really looking forward to him jumping on to the, the other team because uh, we all know how special he is as a player. Can't sort of replicate what he does. You can't coach it either, like. Um, yeah, he's he's just an absolute wizard. So looking forward to seeing him back out there. Hopefully it all goes smoothly. He was aiming for the post-buy, but um, that was a long-term goal. So yeah. we'll have to see what he's like um, when, he, when we get back. But fingers crossed he's back out there sooner rather than later. And looking forward to this week, obviously you've got the buy, so you've shot up home, which is great stuff. A bit of a reset for you, but there's a couple huge games, two in particular I wanted to point out. And one goes down Friday, Arvo, four o'clock, which is that's great time for a cold one. Park up at the pub and watch the footy. But it's the team you actually played last week, the Moana, taking on the Reds in Samoa. I think this is the game Moana finally get the dub. They look good against your lads last week. Is is that something you're thinking as well? Do you think that travel factor Samoa first game there that Moana will be targeting this one? Yeah, I think they have to. Like I feel like they're a really good side. They've obviously got a lot of strike power in their side, which um, as many times as we previewed, uh, we still couldn't make those tackles. Like Levi Amour and Jim oh, the Brass. Yeah. Um, 
both absolute beasts, breaking tackles for fun. So it's going to be really interesting what the crowd's like over there. I'm sure it's going to be similar to like that drawer type vibe where everyone's just going to get in behind them and they're going to get a lot of points from that crowd and the weather, the heat. Um, yeah, it's going to be an awesome occasion. One I'm definitely looking forward to tuning into on Friday. And um, yeah, I'm hopeful that the Moana can get get the result there. It'll be awesome for for the game and for them because I feel like they deserve it. They've been close in a lot of games, just haven't really been able to close them off. So um, yeah, this is the week up Moana. Yeah, there was a, a few moments there where I thought they were going to pull it off last week. You mentioned Levi Almoa. What a handful that bloke is. And he's someone you've worked with a fair bit at Tasman as well. Is it cool to see him kind of taking this step up? He made that All Blacks 15 and now he's ripping up at super rugby level. Yeah, I'm stoked for him. What His growth over the last sort of 12 months has been massive and he's lost a lot of weight. He's got fit. He can play 80 minutes now, which he never used to be able to do. So, um, And obviously his raw power is probably one of the best in the game, like far out. He's so explosive and so hard to tackle. So... Um, yeah, it's awesome seeing him go so well, and it's going to be interesting whether he's knocking on that All Black door because he's a lot of nationalities that he could play for um, at yeah. that World Cup. So, um, yeah, hopefully the All Blacks do pick him up because imagine him coming off the bench in a World Cup game, mate. Right. Explosive. Yeah, he'd be a wrecking ball. And speaking of explosive, the final game, and I know this is one you'll have an eye on because it is your old side and no doubt – they still pull on your heartstrings a little, but it's a top-of-the-table clash. Kane's taking on the Chiefs. They've moved the game to earlier because they're expecting a typical windy Wellington day. So who, who do you think's going to get this one, mate? Taking off your Hurricanes eye patch. Chiefs are the hot side at the moment, but the Canes playing some great footy as well. For me, it's a real coin toss. Yeah, I, I think this is definitely the game of the round, and I think it's going to be a pretty special game. Um yeah, I don't have the Hurricanes eye patch on anymore. It's a big Crusaders one has to be. But um, you're right, I do still follow the Hurricanes quite closely. I've been impressed with the way they've been playing. We don't play them till the last round, so I um, haven't been looking at them too closely, but um, still follow the games that they're playing in. And um, they seem to be in a really good space at the moment. They haven't played a heck of a lot of New Zealand teams. I think only the Blues, and they lost that one, but... Um, to me, the Chiefs have been the form team in the comp. We played them round one and they really um, taught us a lesson that game. Looking forward to playing them again in a couple of weeks. But um, I do think the Chiefs will be too good. Um, it wouldn't surprise me if the Hurricanes won, though. They've got a lot of X factor um, in their side. But um, if I was a punting man, I'd be going the Chiefs. Yeah, good call. Well, cheers for jumping on, lad. I'll let you get back to the old school holiday antics, but appreciate your time. Have a good one. And i got to say, never been a big Crusaders fan, but ever since you've been in the setup, I've, I've started to like them just that little bit more. So go well, mate. Loving your work. I uh, appreciate it. Thanks for having me on, mate. Love your work also. Kicking off the weekly wrap with a quick Masters review and shout out to Ryan Fox for flying the Kiwi flag with pride. A massive shift in his first appearance at Augusta and finishing her up even par in a tie for 26th. Of course, Graham Fox's son, he pocketed $220,000 US in prize money. You take that any day of the week. And although he faded on the final day, he actually entered it tied for 14th. Given the hissing conditions and the fact he was battling a bad case of the man flu, Foxy Jr., he did bloody well. Can be extremely proud of his first performance on the game's biggest stage and no doubt he can't wait to hopefully get back there next year and go a couple better. Well done again. 
to Ryan Fox. The winner in the end, it was the big Spaniard, John Ram, aka Ramadan. He finished 12 under, four shots clear of Books Kepka and Phil Mickelson, who's actually no relation to New Zealand Sevens great Tim Mickelson. Did a bit of a deep dive on that. Pocketed a handy $3.2 million for his troubles. Got to wear the green jacket for the first time as well. So well done to him. New Zealand Sevens lads, huge win for them over in Singapore on the weekend. They secured another leg of the World Sevens Series and also locked in Olympic qualification for Paris in 2024. 1917, the All Black Sevens got the job done against the Pumas who are one of the rapidly improving sides in the Sevens game. That makes us four wins from the last five tournaments. We're hot to trot and looking great odds to take out the series. Great to see as well, a couple of the young lads really starting to carve up and make a name in the sport. Moses Leo, Brady Rush, those are two that jump out. The future of sevens in this country, it's certainly looking bright, so strap in, because no doubt the lads and lasses will have their eyes firmly set on gold next year in France, should be a beauty. And then finally, and last but certainly not least, the NBA. The playoffs and the play-in games are here, and how good is it? Yesterday we were treated to two play-in games, the first of which bit of an upset. The Hawks beating the Heat in Miami, 116 to 105 off the back of a huge performance from Trey Young, 25 points, 8 rebounds and 7 assists, but it was the bench, the second unit, where they really did the damage, outscoring the Heat 53 points to 37, and if you factor in, 33 of those bench points from the Heat were actually from Kyle Lowry, their usual starter. You flip him with Gabe Vincent, and it would have been a 53 to 10 win for the Hawks bench that is exceptional stuff from the blokes off the Remu in the second game and Jesus a LeBron and a default Lakers fan this one was not good for the old ticker the Lakers got the dub 108 to 102 off the back of a 30 point 10 rebound 6 assist shift from Bron 24 and 15 from AD and 21 from Dennis the Menace. It wasn't easy though. Boy, did they make tough work of it, particularly with that brain fart foul from AD late to force an OT. But the Lakers march on. The King is back in the playoffs, and all seems right in the world of the NBA again. Today, we get treated to two more play-ins, Bulls vs Raptors in Toronto, 11am tip-off on ESPN. I'm going to tip the Raptors to get that one at home, and then you got the Thunder taking on the Pals, 1.30 tip-off, also on ESPN, and this is going to be a heck of a game. Great to see the Thunder in the mix, and I'd love to see SGA and co. rock up to Smoothie King Centre, one of the great venue names in the NBA, and get the dub. And saying that, though, I do fear perhaps the Pelicans will be too big for the Thunder. Big Valentunas, he is a massive size advantage on the OKC Centre, so he could have a field day. Fingers crossed for the Thunder, though. Would love to see this young team play some playoff b-ball. In terms of your already confirmed matchups, we'll run through those quickly. Those series get underway on Sunday. Philly hosting the Nets. I got Philly to win that easy. You got the Cavs hosting the Knicks. I'll be rooting for the Cavs. Boston taking on Atlanta. I'll be back in the ticks there. And then the Kings hosting Golden State, which I think, unfortunately for all you beam lighters out there, 
the Warriors will be too good. Then on Monday, more playoff games. Bucks hosting the winner of the second round of play-in games from the East. And then you've got the Nuggets doing the same for the winners from the West. I'll be back in the one seed in both those series, regardless of who they are. I think the Bucks and Nuggets will be way too good. Grizzlies host the Lakers. No surprises here. I'm all in on King James and the Lake Show. They will get it done. And I think Memphis will really miss Stephen Adams here. And then finally, the highly fancied Suns taking on the Clippers. And I'll be back in the Suns. They're undefeated whenever KD is in the lineup. All given it's a very small sample size. Yes, I know. But I think they just got too much talent for a Clippers side. Probably without Paul George. I think they'll get it done in either four or five. Maybe five. I think Kawhi will win them one game. So strap in. The playoffs are here. Can't wait to watch them all of course live on ESPN and Sky Sport now the cream's going to rise to the top and all of these matchups are going to be a bloody entertaining watch how good is the NBA finals big fizz for that Onto the Q&A before we call it a day for another episode. Picked out three of the best, so let's rip into those. First one comes through from Drone Envy, and he says, Get the dirt. Are we re-signing Montoya? Look, personally, I don't actually know for a fact, but I do know if I was running the cutter, and this is probably more a question for Cam George, but if you chuck me in his seat as the version from Wish, I'd be signing Marcelo for sure. He's a fan favourite. He's a real culture guy. He's a team favourite as well. The boys love getting around him and you just can see how much playing for the Warriors means to the bloke he's a heck of a nice human off the field on the field pound for pound one of the strongest ball runners in the competition he'll back fence it zero handbrakes in his duffel bag and he's always good for a couple meaties as well so expecting a big shift from Marcelo this weekend I really do hope we re-sign him no doubt the club is trying to and hopefully they can come to an agreement over the next couple weeks get the job done and Montoya wears that five jersey at the Warriors that beautiful logo is on his left tit for many more years to come one of the great New Zealanders your next question comes through from Travis Moody long time listener long time question asker and he says sauce fridge or pantry and look controversial I'm sure this will rattle many feathers but once I get it home from the supermarket I open that seal I'm chucking it straight in the fridge it doesn't matter if it's tomato sauce barbecue sweet and sour sweet chili and to be fair I suck with spices so if it's sweet chili it is for the wife more of a Nando's barbecue or lemon and herb type operator but again condiments as soon as I break that seal I'm chucking them straight in the fridge and it's a bit silly I know when you buy them from the supermarket they are not in the fridge department but once you open it for me there's just something in my head that tells me chucking it in the fridge will make them last for longer and keep them tasting fresher so again keen to hear your opinion here Travis might be controversial but I'm a sauce in the fridge type of operator your third and final question comes through from Curtis Reed and this is a big one which is why I've just gone for the three this week and he says what's Northcote's all-time team 15 based purely on character so I've had to go to the drawing board for this one and geez it was tough just to pick a 15 I've had to leave out some great New Zealanders but at first glance I'm pretty happy with this squad and I think off the field in particular we would be extremely tough to beat boy have there been some weapons lacing up 
in the maroon and gold and the props firstly had to go with Aston Pickens need I say any more the greatest safe hauler in all of New Zealand loves an airways loves a bong what a bloke then I had to go in the hooker with his best mate fellow Tor Bay soldier Ant Short missed the birth of his kids just to sit on the Rimu for the Rezies. If that's not a bloke that bleeds maroon and gold, then I do not know what is. And the three jersey, controversial, went with Scotty Rankin, and of course he throws out the chat that he was a big body 10, and I do believe him. Looks like a heck of a ball player. But let's chuck him in the three, can run those pods, organise, play that back ball with precision. One of Northland's finest. And he would also ensure the boys are always well fed, smoke marlin post-games. How good is that? And the locking duo went with two of the absolute great New Zealanders on this planet. Danny Drake and Ben Dello. Drakey, he'll run the cutter on the field and make sure we're half respectable. Ben Dello, table slides of doom. Also a great goal kicking lock that can't be lifted. Again, picks himself and the loose forward trio went with Zach Clark and he'll be disappointed to hear that he has been put in the forwards and not the backs I would have chucked him in the 15 jersey but his conversion attempt in his blazer game against Mahu still haunts me to this day so in the forward pack he says in the seven New Zealand surf life-saving champ Nick Regal and in the eight and our skipper the great skip himself Andrew Menzies and the nine another Menzies what a duo had to go with the keg Kieran Menzies he'll test your hamstrings make sure you're feeling flexible plus he'll tell you how good he used to be as well again what more could you want from your nine incredibly chirpy and the 10 the conductor Jack Bergen the bloke picks himself on and off field runs a great cutter midfield duo again picks himself went with Geordie Meter and Rana Pickman the run about 85 resis comps run Rooster about 400 times Trevor Snooks would of course be the coach so it's only right that his two favourite soldiers are there in the midfield on the wings Brendan Wheeler express pace express culture holds down a Barlina and Danny Doolins like no one else I've ever seen chuck him in and then on the other wing I actually went with yourself there Rito I think Jared Freenham was right the whole time you're definitely more of a winger and I think you'd be a weapon out there and then at the back I went with Baz of course the scoreboard operator he'll keep that thing ticking over whenever he is on the paddock as well meat pies galore plus what's a culture session without a cheeky little pumpkins from Panama yarn where no one understands what he's saying and apology to the rest of the listeners if you're not coat people then you will not know what I'm going on about but cheers for your question there Rito hope you enjoyed your answer mate and no doubt you're running amok in Japan ruffling the feathers of a few locals and hope to see you back at the mighty coat and the graveyard shortly we certainly miss your off-field antics so that's us for another episode of Surly Talk Sports. As always, hope you enjoyed the show. If not, hey, bad luck and I'll catch you back here next week when we run it back. We'll review this week's sporting action and preview another huge weekend of sport. Anzac Rugby League, the works. How good is it?
Shout out as well to Jimmy Marshall for jumping on today's show. Hope you really enjoyed that chat. And while we're on shout outs, again, shout out to Sky Sport now. Remember to use my code SURLY10 for a cheeky discount. If you're planning on watching the basketball, the playoffs, your rugby league, your super rugby, anything worth watching this weekend, it's all on Sky Sport now. Live or demand, pay-per-view, sports documentaries. You'll find it all at your one-stop shop for all things sport. Download the app on your smartphone on your tv on your laptop and rip in you won't regret it and use my code to save a few pennies again up the coat taking on bays on saturday go get the dub lads up the mighty wars let's put the cows to the sword and see you at mount smart and up the blues taking on the bye we'll take the win that makes it back to back and on we march towards finals footy catch you tomorrow surly talks punting how good is a thursday big fizz